The scripture this morning is taken from Matthew 13, 1 through 9. On that day, Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea. And the great multitudes gathered to him so that he got into the boat and sat down. The whole multitude was standing on the beach. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell upon the road, and the birds came and ate them up. And others fell upon the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, but because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. It's the words of the Lord. Well, it's my honor to introduce our speaker twice today. Um, I, if you were in first service, I won't repeat it so you don't have to listen to it twice. But um, I met Ashley. She was just a little girl in the fourth grade, in my fourth grade Sunday school class, um, that I adore that, those fourth graders. They were wonderful. And uh, I, I enjoyed having the girls because the boys gave me a lot of trouble. And, and uh, I watched her in youth choir when the spirit wings were involved and they did tours and stuff and her beautiful voice and she played the guitar. This was junior high, wasn't it, probably? <laughs> and then um, I watched her do her chalk talks, which I wish they'd bring back. Those are so much fun. And then um, she's very talented. You know, she's a good artist, too. And then I remember when she came to be our associate pastor, we were worried and prayed and prayed and prayed because Danny got it in his mind, I guess, that he wanted to come early, and she was on bed rest, and we prayed for a safe delivery, and beautiful Danny came in answer to that prayer. So we've known Ashley a really long time, and I really don't need to introduce you to her. You know her, and she's one of our own, Reverend Ashley McGuire. Thank you, Sherry, and thank you all for having me here. It is always wonderful to be in the house of the Lord. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here. There's no other place to be than in God's house on the Lord's morning. But it's also an honor to be in this place because this is the sanctuary where I grew up. I mean, that's the row right there where the little ducks in a, in a row would come and sit. And my mom, I was told this morning, could shush us with one finger and no words. Um, this is the place where I, I got to sing in the choir. It's the, it's the space where I was confirmed, and believe it or not, because Danny scared everybody and came early, um, I missed my own consecration before ordination, and so the bishop came here, and I got to have uh, a ceremony with those of y'all that were here back in 2009. And so there have been moments, time after time after time in my life, where this space has been a root, it's been a home, and it's helped to form me and shape me into the plant that I'm still growing into. And that's important, because we're always growing. When I was little, I thought that my parents knew everything. I wish my 12 and 14 year old thought I still know everything. 
But, um, but we'd look at the teachers, we'd look at the grown-ups, we'd look at the, the people who were leaders on the TV, from the news anchors to, uh, to the shows, and, and it seemed like grown-ups knew everything. And then lo and behold, one day I grew up and became one and realized I didn't know nearly as much as they were supposed to. And so one of the conversations that I've been having with our teens, mine and Rob, so Danny is now this big, and Drew's now this big. Um, But one of the conversations I've been having is that mom and dad are still learning as well. We are still growing as well. And it fits with the theme of what we're talking about today, soul seeds and service. We start off with uh, the sower, and we could give him another name or her, but uh, but the sower could also be the, the reckless farmer, if you will. Now, I know nothing about farming. I cannot keep a green plant green. It always seems to turn brown or black under my watch. But what little I'm about to share, I did learn specifically because of this text. The, the sower has these resources, these seeds that, that you know that he had to go purchase. And so there was an investment in these seeds. And, and you'd think that someone who had invested a portion of their resources would want the best return. And so you'd think that, that a farmer would do everything that he could in order to make sure that those seeds were in the best environment to grow. But not this reckless sower. Now this guy's walking around and he's tossing the seeds right and left. And the scripture that Jesus is telling us today, it says some of the seeds land on the the hard soil, some of the seeds land in the rocks, some of the seeds land where the thorns are, and, and some of them land in the soil. And we wonder what kind of a farmer, what kind of a sower would just toss out of a limited resource? I'm gonna pause there for a second. Uh, There's a TED Talk, it's been around for a really long time, and it is about an engineer and a welder. His name is, and I couldn't remember it in the first service either, Dustin Sandlin. So Dustin decided that he was gonna have some fun, and, and he built a backwards bike. He'd spent most of his life riding a bike, and for anybody that knows how to ride a bike or or even drive a car, you get to a point where you don't have to think about it. You get on the bike and the bike moves, and the only thing you have to do is pay attention to the oncoming traffic and the the surroundings, right? So we, we get in this rhythm and this routine where the bike becomes an extension of ourselves, or driving the car becomes an extension of ourselves, and hopefully, hopefully we're paying attention, but you know. So he decided he wanted to take it a step further and build a backwards bike, which means that they set the gears and they set everything mechanically in motion so that if you turn the front wheel to the left, the bike went to the right. And if you turned it to the right, the bike went to the left. Who in here would be able to hop on a backwards bike and go right out of the parking lot? Yeah. He's the one who built it and it took him almost eight months to get his sea legs on this bike. Now his kid, who was younger than 10, was able to figure it out in a couple of weeks. And so the TED Talk goes on to talk about neuroplasticity and and the ability of the brain to grow and to change and, and some of the things that children are automatically good at because our brains are young. And the challenge at the end is for us as adults to find ways to not let our brains get caught in the ruts of thinking and in the ruts of the ways of doing things. Well, 
it's quite appropriate when we find ourselves in the parable today because the first place that the seeds land is in a rut. It calls it a a hard path, but in farming, the path that is trod by the farmer in between the rows, that walking constantly can compact the soil. Or let's say in today's farms, again, don't know much at all, but where the tractors have to drive out or the trucks have to go out into the fields in order to inspect the equipment, where those wheels can dig into the soil, it can create compaction and and those become ruts as they dry out. It's places where the seeds will fall but not be able to do anything. And so Jesus explains this parable a little bit further down in Matthew and he says, when we find ourselves in the ruts of life, when the soil of our hearts and of our minds and of our souls is in a rut, we don't realize how the forces of darkness are surrounding us. We aren't putting on the armor of God. We aren't finding our strength in the word of the Bible. We, we aren't turning to Jesus and placing that relationship with God first. We're simply going through the motions of life thinking that we've got it under control or so numb to everything else that we aren't actively searching for God. And in those moments, we become the most vulnerable to how the forces of darkness can attack. Have you ever found yourself in a rut? Because when I was young, when I was little, I I thought that this parable was talking about four different types of people. There were the rut people who never understood Jesus. There were the rocky people who were just all excited but but never seemed to want to grow deeper. There, There were the thorny people, they were the ones out in the world that said, I love Jesus, yes I do and then you go to school with them on Monday. And then, and then there were the good soil people, the church people that, that I would go to school with. And, I, and I'm not being sarcastic. I, I fully recognize that I was a rather self-righteous young lady because I just knew I was in the good soil group. <coughs> Excuse me, but as I've grown, as I've become an adult, and most importantly, as I've become a parent, <laughs> I've realized that we are all over the place in the human condition. When we give our lives to Christ, when we ask Jesus to come in and start cleaning house, it's, it's not something that happens in a hot minute and then we are perfect forever. It is a life that we continue to lead where the Holy Spirit comes in and does the work that the Holy Spirit, the only work that the The work that only the Holy Spirit can do. That's where I was trying to go with it. So sometimes we're in the rut. Sometimes we are creating ruts for others. Sometimes we think that we've got it all figured out and that we just don't need anything else. Jesus was talking to some of those people. They were the religious leaders of the time. Sometimes we find ourselves as rocky soil. We are excited in a moment. Maybe we've gone to a, a youth camp or, or maybe we went to Caney or, or maybe we went to Emmaus or to Christia or, or maybe we went to Lauren Daigle's concert last September. <laughs> and you come out of it and you're just, as David Dietzel used to say, on fire for the Lord. <laughs> Did I get that right? Yeah. Just on fire and, and 
you want to promise everything, including your firstborn child to Jesus, and it's just, yeah, I just have all of it, have all of me. But what we lose in the emotion is the rootedness that comes with a greater understanding of what this relationship actually means. Because we can get excited when we're on the mountaintop, we, we can get filled up when we are riding that high. But the first time that the storms come or, or the waves get too tall and, and God calls us to walk out on the water, we find that we'd rather keep at least one foot in the boat, right? And because we're not rooted, we tend to shoot up quickly, but wilt rather fast. Rootedness is critical. You know, like I said, I grew up in this sanctuary and uh, before I was a preacher's kid or a preacher, I was just a kid. And oftentimes the sermons were really boring. So I get you kids out there, I feel you. And so I would look at all of the different windows or I'd read through the hymnal. I learned some really cool hymns that we never sang in church. Um, but that, that one right there, it, it always looked like a bird to me, like the birds eating the seeds on the hard soil. I wondered why we had all these really cool biblical images and then a bird. And then I came back as the associate pastor years later and I realized that's a shell holding the waters of baptism. You know, it's amazing how our perspectives can change. And when we become rooted in scripture, it's like eating a good meal. Are there any athletes out there? Okay, if you're an athlete, you don't go and eat a bunch of McDonald's before going and running a 5K. Everybody knows this because you're not gonna have the right kind of energy. You carbo-load and then you run with a prayer. But we'll sometimes want to take in everything but the word of God and when the storms in our lives hit, when the kids... <laughs> just think we don't know anything and don't like us anyways, or, or, or when we find that everything at work is falling apart and, and when our life is just one big stress activity after another, we find that we wonder, is God really here? Is, is God really with me? Am I really worth it? Maybe you've even asked yourself, am I a good person? When we're rooted in scripture, the promises of God become something that fill our minds and give us a spiritual energy just like a good meal gives us the energy to run the race. And I can't tell you how many times I found myself in the word, <coughs> excuse me, I found myself in the word and then three or four days later or even a month later, it's exactly what I needed in that particular moment for myself, much less to be able to offer someone else. If you haven't taken the time to intentionally open up the Bible or devotional, let me encourage you to do it again this Sunday morning. Because we can read the words on the page and go through the motions or we can ingest what the living word of God is trying to give to us. Rootedness is important. And while rootedness in scripture is critical, rootedness in relationship is vital as well. Being surrounded by a community that lifts us up in Christ, that prays for us, that reminds us who we are when we forget, that is able to tell our kids the same wisdom we would tell them if they were actually listening to us. Do y'all get the theme that's going on in our household right now? Having that kind of a community matters because we can find ourselves out in the world with friends, but when we need 
the Lord of God, when we need Jesus Christ among us, when we need to feel and to be reminded that the last words that he spoke to us were, Lo, I am with you always to the end. It's going to be the people who believe and who are rooted and who come together as the church that will help hold up the life raft. So we can sometimes find ourselves in ruts. We need to find roots or else we wilt. Then there's that season of life that sometimes comes where we feel like we're surrounded by thorns. Anybody ever feel like they're living in a world of competition? I mean, we go out for jobs, we're seeking promotions, we're trying to get the best for, not, we're trying to get the best retirement portfolio, we're trying to make the best salary, we're trying to make the team, I wanna be prom king, I wanna be prom queen, if that's still a thing. But somewhere out there, there's always this, this competition that's going on, and we live in a world that tries to tell us the lie that we have limited resources. While God is a God of unlimited resources. So if we live in a place where everything is limited and we're always fighting to get our share, then we end up allowing something to be God other than the Holy One. And anything can become an idol at that point. It can be popularity. It can be the, <coughs> it can be family. It can be just me, myself, and I. Whatever it is that we put at the center of our lives, the thing that we're focusing on, the thing that we're giving our attention to, ends up being God and becoming an idol. When we find that we're competing, then that's when we're living out of trust. And when we stop living in trust with God, then we find ourselves in a relationship that's not healthy. Martin Buber calls it the I-it relationship rather than the I-thou. I'm not climbing a ladder anymore, y'all. <laughs> Martin Buber talks about how when God moves from the center of our lives into anywhere on the outskirts, anywhere that's not the focal point, that we begin to live in relationship with the world around us, the people around us, and even the Lord in an I-it relationship. The it becomes everything else. So there's three ways that we treat relationships when we're out of trust with God and trying to make it in the world on our own. We can ignore the other person. We can ignore God. We can say, I don't need you. You're not important. You don't matter. I'm going, and I'm going to go see what I need to go see. Or we can use the person or even try to use God to get to the next level of wherever it is we want to be. We can try to pray that special prayer that gets us to that good place and then we can try and put God back in our pocket. God doesn't fit in a pocket. Or we can push the other person or try to push God out of the way by saying, you know, I kind of like where I am right now. Life is fun, it's fast, it's thrilling. Or I'm in so much pain and I can't deal with anything else and so let me just be numb. We can hold on to our guilt to the point where it's not healthy. We can create a box of depression around us. We can isolate ourselves because of fear or anxiety. All of those things are ways that we push God to the outside because we don't realize that the sower of the seed, the reason that he can toss it out indiscriminately is because God has everything all the time. God does not run out. 
He doesn't run out of money. He doesn't run out of seed. He doesn't run out of grace. He doesn't run out of forgiveness. He doesn't run out of love. He doesn't run out of peace. God's got it all, all the time. And so he can toss that out into the soil of our lives. And sometimes, sometimes it takes a moment. And we realize, you know what? I've been off the path. Let me repent. Let me turn around. Let me get back where I need to be. That soil gets tilled by the Holy Spirit. And the ruts and the rocks and the thorns, God does the work that only God can do to remove them and aerate them. Sometimes it takes a week or a month or a year or a season of life, but thank God that he never gives up on us. Amen? I mean, thank God that, that years, years that I wrestled with God in college and he never gave up and he kept throwing those seeds, throwing those people into my lives that would say just the right word at just the right time to remind me who I am. Thank God for churches like this one that create those roots, not just in the young people, but in the youngish people. That's what we call ourselves under 45. Thank God for the seeds that God throws out all the time because God never gives up. He never gives up on you and he never gives up on growth. The sower trusted that growth would occur. And when it found the good soil, boom, watch out. There's a reason why it's called the fruit of the spirit. It takes time. It takes intentionality. It, it takes attentiveness. It takes a certain conscientiousness on our part to pay attention, to respond to God. And then God does all of the work within us to allow those fruits to grow. We can't take any credit for it. But there is that one word that Jesus spoke at the beginning when he was starting to talk in Matthew 13. He said, listen, imperative, listen. We've got to listen, which means we've got to focus. Drew, my baby, is 12 years old. and From the time he was able to walk, we were telling him, Drew, focus is a fruit of the spirit. We, we took self-discipline and turned it into the word focus. So much so that when he finally grew up enough to pay attention in church, he did not hear me say focus when I was reading the fruit of the spirit. He stood up on the pew, turned around, and told the church I got it wrong. Focus is a fruit of the spirit. When we listen, we've got to focus to try to learn and then to hear again and again and again the call of the Holy Spirit and the ways that the winds are pointing us because all of this leads to service. And I'm going to speak very quickly here. When we serve out of the good soil, when we serve out of a place of trust with God, then I have seen the impossible occur. St. Francis of Assisi said, you know, in times when you don't know what to do, do what's necessary, then do what's possible, and soon you'll find you're doing the impossible. So think of a young man who was a senior in high school. He saw kids eating alone in the cafeteria, and that wasn't okay for him, so he started eating with them intentionally, focused. He saw the world around him, he saw a need, and he did it. It doesn't have to be big, it can be small, but other kids caught on, and now there is a ministry called We Dine Together that is all over the world. Kids, student-led, trying to create inclusive community. I worked at a church back in Alexandria where 
They saw a, a need in that community for kids with special needs. And, and so a few people in the church partnered with the medical community and PTs and OTs and, and they came together and they created something called Buddy Camp. And by the time I got to be their pastor, it had grown to where there could be 150 kids in the church at the end of that camp on a Friday afternoon. They would pair one special needs kid with a, a kid that didn't have special needs and they would be buddies and they'd go everywhere together and the church created stations where they kept the sensitivity low uh, so that, that kids weren't triggered. It was amazing to watch the kingdom of God reign, the impossible become possible. Our response to God out of a heart of trust is service. And so the question that I ask you as we go to the table this morning is what is God calling you to do today? Have you heard his voice lately? Are you listening to hear that voice? And if so, what is the first step that you can take, amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for all of the many ways that you call us. You call us by name, you remind us that we are always loved. And you call us to go forth and to share your love with others. As we come to your table, we pray that you would fill us with the food that only you can provide. In Jesus' name, amen.